0: Welcome, everyone. I am Patrick Lushuan, and I'm your host, of Faculty StoryCorps, Tell Me Your Why. In this podcast, I ask faculty to share what drives their work, what they do what they do. This question not only gives context to the human stories that drive our mission, it also provides its life and purpose. In faculty affairs, our own why is to create an environment where every faculty member is seen in their whole identity inundated with positive experiences throughout all stages of their career. This is why we shine a light on these extraordinary individuals. We complete each discussion by asking our guests for a piece of advice to share with the next generation of scholars. These unscripted conversations are as diverse and unique as each of these individuals, yet they have one thing in common, the passion that fuels the work of these educators, innovators, and public servants. Join me in following their stories. Well, good morning, Terry. It's hey, good morning. To have you? Good
1: thank to you so here. much for joining me. Thank you, thank you. So good to uh, be a part of this discussion.
0: So um, you and I had a discussion
1: not too long ago, and I
0: really enjoyed both the discussion and, of course, um, your TED talk. And mm. I would like to elevate that work and that conversation and your experience. And for the benefit of others. So I hope you don't mind um, sharing with me a little bit of that story of yours so we can actually, the purpose of our conversation is to help other faculty understand how to build their own story and how to identify more importantly, not so much the what they do, but the why they do it. Mm. So if you don't mind introducing yourself, um, and also when you
1: join, when did you join OSU? Yeah. Hey, so thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, so Terry Esper, I'm on faculty in the Fisher College of Business. I'm in the Department of Marketing and Logistics, and uh, I joined Ohio State in 2017. Uh, my background was such that I spent a lot of my uh, my educational training, uh, my, my years in educational training, as well as uh, in my career, uh, as a part of the Walmart ecosystem. So Northwest Arkansas and, and and Bentonville, Arkansas, where, you know, of course, the world's largest retailer kind of hails from small town America. So I spent a lot of my uh, years navigating through uh, uh northwest arkansas and really you know leaning into issues associated with retail and uh how retail is done and really getting into the if you will the 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 quote unquote guts of retail right so i am in logistics and supply chain management so you know my area of focus is you know centered on how products get to the marketplace and how we go about making sure that products stay on shelves and how do we prevent uh, stock ops and shortages but at the same time make sure that we don't have too much and um so so thinking about concepts such as inventory and, and transportation and you know merchandising of product at retail and so so that's been kind of my my narrative and the things that have made me tick throughout my career uh even in my industry experience before i decided to become an academic um and uh i, I would say that over the years i have looked at that uh, that whole area of from the, the company side of things, right? As a business scholar, really thinking about the retail companies themselves and how they can best uh, and most effectively execute. Um, but then, uh, you know, there has been another side of, of the work that I've done that has looked at that whole conversation from this perspective of the consumer. So thinking about people like you and I and how we engage with retail and how we go about getting the products uh, and merchandise that we need in order to live our lives. And so that's been a part of kind of what I've built over my years as an academic. In fact, um, I'm celebrating twenty. 20 years of post PhD, got my PhD in 2003. And of course, uh, in between 2003 and 2017, when I arrived here at Ohio State, I spent some time navigating through a few other universities to kind of build up that body of work that I brought with me to to OSU and and built on since I've been here. Wow,
0: fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing your journey, uh, both from, you know, corporate America and professional world and you know, not directly into um, into academia, by the way, congratulations, uh, you are celebrating being promoted to full professor as well, yes. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Absolutely, <laughs> this, yeah. This is something that I don't want to forget to mention uh, because your work is uh, recognized uh, for its scholarship and, right. you know, as an instructor and also as a scholar. Um I am really fascinated by what you work. Of course, um, the last few years have taught us two words that used to be embedded within either corporate America or academia. One is epidemiology and the other one is logistics and supply yeah. chain. And you're, yeah. you know, you're pretty uh, in, engaged in the second one. Um And it's a relatively small field, uh, if I understand correctly, in terms of research yeah. uh, in academia, both you know, with, um, at at the U.S. And, and you know internationally. So, would you mind sharing with us your why? Why is it that you went that way, particularly with respect to the research? And um, and how did you discover that why? Yeah. Um, I know you make a very compelling case in your TED talk, but I'd like to for you to share it if you don't mind.
1: No, it's a it's a great question. Thank you. And in fact, I'll even take you back uh, even back to a time when I was early in my career and um, I was actually at a truck stop in uh, a, a way station in a small town called Fordyce, Arkansas. OK, I at the time I was working doing some work for the United States Department of Transportation and the Federal Highway Administration. And um, I was early in my career and I was doing uh, surveys of truck drivers and uh, I was in small town Fordyce, Arkansas, pulling trucks off of the highway um, and doing what was called a commodity flow study. So, you know, asking about the various products and commodities that they were hauling over those highways and where they were headed. And so, so we, I was doing some work to kind of look at traffic patterns um, within transportation. And at that time, I was solely focused on transportation. That was kind of my area. Um, And in the process of, you know, asking these truck drivers, you know, what they were hauling and such, one of them said, hey, you know, can you speed this up? (laughs) You know, uh, I've got somewhere I have to be. And honestly, that was a light bulb because I just I I, I guess it had never occurred to me that 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 truck drivers were on on a time schedule. Secondly, he said, hey, not only do I have to be somewhere, but the stuff that I got back here, man, some people are waiting to buy this stuff. And it just never occurred to me to think about the connection between uh, transportation and merchandising of product and retail and business. Actually, I just saw transportation and trucking as a kind of an entity, but I didn't early in, and I was 21 or 22, I didn't make those connections to the fact that these trucks that we see on the highways are actually a part of the process for me to live my life daily, to go and buy a bottle of water or to go buy a a can of Coca-Cola, right? That, That what's going on on the highways is connected to me. That was was a light bulb moment for me. And in fact, the guy told me, he said, hey, man, it's called logistics. I had never heard of that term before. That was the first time I heard about logistics. And what was interesting to me about it was that once I started to do some old school research on it, I couldn't Google it. Right. So I went and did some old school research and I learned about logistics. And it was this invisible entity that the majority of people in the world don't even really know about. It's like this invisible web of interconnectedness that is responsible for getting stuff to you. And most people take it for granted because the majority of stuff that we want is there. (laughs) <laughs> right so it's not until we start to see that there are shortages and things like the last couple of years that's why the conversations about logistics kind of hit the hit the hit dinner tables uh at night it's because we were dealing with significant shortages in the market and people started to associate that with logistics and supply chain i had that revelation back in uh i think that may have been 1990 um uh, 5 or so when i when i when i had that encounter with that truck driver that was the beginning of that why because at that moment i was exposed to the fact that i had been taking for granted Uh, a whole system of processes that was working behind the scenes that I had no idea about, right? And so I was intrigued enough by it that I decided to go back to school and study logistics. And then I became a part of that whole Walmart ecosystem where, you know, they were really at that time leveraging logistics and supply chain in the way that most other companies were not. And so it was a fantastic experience. But again, part of that why started at that truck uh, way station where, I, my eyes were opened to just the the, the the world of logistics and supply chain management that the majority of people in, in the world probably don't think about or maybe even like me, take for granted. So I, deal, I, I, I I commit to it, I do the work in it, I'm a practitioner, I go back to school, I get a doctorate, I study it, all those things. But I will say to you, there was still a, a itch for me relative to that whole why you know i had gotten intrigued enough by the fact that this was this invisible entity out there that was so important and people don't even know it right that gave me a a, a lot of feeling of identity i felt that the work idea was important because i was dealing with issues that um were the the the, the secret or the the silent uh uh the the the, the un the unseen force behind corporate performance right that's how we couched it you know we were that force underneath corporate performance corporate effectiveness that most people don't see but there was still something there I'll tell you Patrick one of the things that was intriguing to me was I, it, although I was interested in logistics and supply chain it really didn't have anything to do with me like Terry Esper it was more about my professional interests but it I I really it didn't have anything to do with me individually right it was interesting. I had a friend that was a marketing uh, scholar um, and, you know, she did a lot of work in uh, diversity and marketing. She did a lot of work in issues associated with um, uh, body identity uh, issues. And, you know, it was interesting. She was going through some personal journeys herself, a health journey. And so her life was spilling over into her research. And I thought, man, you know, (laughs) I'm intrigued by logistics, but it's not anything to do with me individually. And um, as I talk about in the the TED Talk that you referenced, there were some things that, as I was kind of searching for those deeper whys that had to do with like, why am I individually so intrigued by the stuff that I do research on? Um, What does it really mean? There had to be something underneath there. I start up, things just started to pop out to me, right? So for example, my very first job was a paper route for uh, the Detroit News uh, when I was a kid. And I um, rerouted, I redesigned the entire paper route to make it quicker and more efficient. And I'd forgotten about that. And I was like, wow. Okay. So I was already starting to do some of this stuff, even the way I was just living my life. Right. As a kid, I took pride in being a paper boy and redesigning the paper route. That was one of those little elements of that. Why starting to emerge. Um, and then of course I started reading articles about how retail um, I'd always known about, you know, issues of, you know, racism and uh, Jim Crow and how those issues affected retail, but it, it, it I then started to think about it it personally. And then as I mentioned in the TED Talk, I read an article that talked about how Sears, one of the big retail giants, how they used the same things that I researched, home delivery services for retail purchases and how they use that as a way to service Black customers such that those customers did not have to go into retail stores and deal with racism and discrimination. And that was when it all just clicked. And I thought, my God, I have been doing this work all this time having not made that connection to the fact that there was actually a why really, really deep underneath there that had to do with um, just how important these processes are that in, in logistics and how it can just help people live a better life and to live their life with dignity. And so those kind of connections really uh, started to emerge uh, over time. And, and that really became, I, I was then exposed to the real why of it all. It, it made, all of it made sense. The whole 20 some odd years of work made sense to me then.
0: Terry, you're such a storyteller. I love listening to you. Um, oh, I love man. the arc <laughs> of your journey. Oh, absolutely. Well, my why of doing having this conversation is to inspire other faculty to make sure they know how to tell their story yeah and to connect to all the components of a story and you have all the components of an incredibly uh compelling story you have the art you have the journey you have the moments that actually changed you which is interesting because um not every faculty thinks that they need to, if they know they exist, um, you know, they need to actually point to them or mm-hmm. to even identify what is that moment that actually changed my experience as a scholar or that define the, the the things that I'm interested in working. Um, you you make it personal. Uh, we always say that a true story and a personal story is more compelling. So yeah. I love listening to you for all of this way. Of course, then your own experience. Um, you know, you you also couch it very well on paper. And this is why I wanted to have you um, as part, of, you know, as part of this program. Um, so thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Thank you for sharing. it.
1: Th- thank, thank you for that. I, I appreciate that feedback and I, I'm very humbled by that. You know, the, the thing that was, is intriguing to me, I guess w- one of the things that was kind of underneath all of that was I had to really grapple with the notion of a research interest, right? So as a doctoral student, you know, we, we, so what's, your, what's your interest, right? And we start developing young scholars to, you know, hone in on a research interest and develop a body of work and write a dissertation and go out and start to do scholarly research to build up a, uh, a nice, solid body of work that is tenurable and, and, and leads you to a path of success in academia. So I had to go back and grapple with why I had the research interest that I do. And to be honest, I just kind of, you know, I I knew that I was in retail. I was in dot-com. I worked in dot-com before I went to my doctoral program. That was the hot buzz topic at the time. And it just made sense. It just rolled naturally. Um, But I guess where I am now, and and what what I really wanted to extract from all those little stories, is that there were things that were, my life was unfolding leading to that research interest. And it happened so fast, it may be so matter of fact, that I didn't really ask the why of my research interest. You know, um, and in fact, I was actually, and, and here's a slippery slope of it all. I was working with, with faculty that were also doing work in that same space. So it seemed like a, just a natural thing to do. When I really think about it, part of the reason even why I went to the doctoral program I went to was because of the fact that there was the common interest But I hadn't really paused to kind of unpack why the why that interest was there. And so that's one of the things that I've gotten really passionate about. It's like, why are we interested in the research that we are? And I think in in pausing and thinking about that, that and really digging into that why, I think we'll start to see that there have been kind of an unfolding of that of that why. And it's it, it probably comes through in our life. Right. It's the reason why we gravitate to that research, because there is a a connection, we feel it in our gut, and and sometimes we just don't really pause. It, it happens so quickly, and before you know it, you're in three thirty of your doctor program, you know. But but really pausing and unpacking, you know, what is it about me that makes me so intrigued by this topic? And I would dare to say that if we really pause and ponder and peel back the layers of that, we'll arrive at some stories like mine. It started with when I was you know uh, fourteen on a paper route. And then <laughs> circle back to when I was 21 at a truck stop. But those dots, those little breadcrumbs were all there kind of leading to that research interest. Yeah.
0: Again, I love your uh, your story and how you actually bring us to those reflection made me think, you know, it's like the fish that meets the other one and ask, how's the water? Oh. And yeah, this is what water, right? <laughs> it's like if everybody is in the water and never taking a moment to actually yeah. reflect on what's going on externally, you know, internally and externally. Mm. Yeah, we can keep on going. Um, I love that moment. And to me, it's a great segue to our last question. That, that idea of pausing. So mm. here's a question for you. And I've heard you speak to this before a little bit here is if you turn around and now you have quite a bit of experience, you've obviously known how to reserve time for your reflection. And to you know to build uh, the understanding around your why that also is propelling you in the future. What would you say? What kind of advice would you give to you know rising scholars, either in their doctorate right now or postdoc or early career, um, early career uh, faculty? What would be the advice you would share with them?
1: Yeah, um, I, I would say you know um, I wish that I had had a chance to you know watch something like this or listen to something like this or even you know um just just really unpack this whole thing earlier in my career um uh i i I feel like you know maybe it was there and i just you know didn't connect all the dots. But I think it is important to really pause and ponder that why of it all, right? Really think about, are there things about you, your life story, your life journey that are leading to the research that you're interested in? And I think it's important to find that for a few reasons. Uh, Number one, I think it'll just help you to really own the research that you do, right? Because hot topics come and go. Buzz terms come and go, but the ownership of a research uh, topic and platform, I think, is that that's where real scholars thrive, and um, so I think that ownership narrative is something that early the earlier you can get to that real true ownership of your topic, the better. And in most cases, that ownership is going to lie in your why and 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 being able to really make the connection between your life journey and the kind of research that you do. Secondly not only is it about an ownership piece, but it's about a a, a commitment and a stick-to-itiveness, right? The fortitude and the fidelity of the research uh, a journey, right? Because as we know, we can get research published, uh, and and but we also in the process of getting research published often get research rejected, right? And so there are times when, you know, you just, if it were not for the commitment to the research, the ownership of the research, many of us would have packed our bags and said, hey, I, I'm out. Like, I'm, you know, I'm doing something else and I'm in business, right, where there are always those little innuendos of, hey, you know, come back to corporate. Uh, folks say, hey, you could probably make <laughs> twice as much if you come back to corporate. Right. So, you know, th- there are many scholars in business that um, get PhDs, start an academic career, and then after the rejections, pack up and just say, hey, you know i'm going to go back to practice or go into consulting or do something else and um and so again i think the just staying committed to the work you know staying committed to seeing that work get into print and in the impactful outlets that that requires a commitment to the work a commitment to these topics and uh, a commitment to the the what you're trying to contribute and again, I think if you have a real good why of it all, um, that'll help you to stay committed to it. So I would say to any young scholar and rising scholar and even uh, you know, emerging scholar, you know, really pause and reflect, make the connections between the research that you're interested in and, 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 and your life journey, um, because it'll definitely uh, elevate your commitment and your ownership of the work that you do. Man, Terry, I'm so
0: grateful. You're so generous with your time and your thoughts and your experience. Um, I'm always inspired when I listen to you and I really, really appreciate that you're with us. We are very fortunate to have you at OSU. So I want to thank you. you.
1: Thank you. And I want to
0: finish by again, congratulating you. Um, you have, you know, a great career. You are committing obviously uh, and sticking to it. (laughs) So you are leading by example. And uh, you're very generous in sharing your experience, which is uh, what I hope that, um, you know, our, our writing scholars, both writers, students and career faculty can find. Sure. So thank you again so much for sharing your experience.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you for the opportunity to reflect um, and to, to share that journey uh, that I've experienced. And I, again, I'm just humble. I wanna also just acknowledge you for doing this, right? For, for leaning into these conversations and for really building a, um, bu- building a space and a platform for us to really dig into what it means to be a scholar and, and what it means to be uh, a, a researcher. Uh, at a university like Ohio State. These kinds of things often are, you know, it's all about getting the the pubs, right? But what we know for sure is that there is a whole social environment and a whole life around getting the pubs. So I appreciate you for leaning into the life of the scholar and bringing some of these stories to the forefront. I I really do appreciate that.
0: Oh, I am so amazed by all my colleagues, including you. The work that you all do is so quite extraordinary it's you know if i can just you know be a platform or offer a platform so that people understand the work that you do and that it has so many ramifications in the lives that we live just like you shared and uh you make a true difference not only in truly the the, uh, education and the people you work with but also your work so again Thank thank you i look forward to see you again soon um and um this is the end of uh, this moment, but I'll look forward to sharing again with you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. The Faculty
0: StoryCorps Tell Me Your Why podcast is produced by The Ohio State University's Office of Faculty Affairs. For more information, visit us at faculty.osu.edu. I'm your host, Patrick Lushuan. Thanks for listening and join us again soon.